We're reading from uh, 2 Timothy, continuing in our series. Um, I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 and then have a couple other passages to, to go over together. So let's read 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12 in the New Living. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. So just to give a brief recap, this this book of 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul wrote. Paul is aware of his impending death. He has been before Nero. Uh, he's his, Basically, his time in prison here is now a cold, hard, dark prison, not the house prison that he was when he wrote the majority of his letters. So he knows that, that he's going to die. So when he speaks about the power of death being defeated, and he talks about being willing to suffer for Christ, and he talks about these things, I want us to keep something in mind. The power of death has been defeated by Jesus Christ. Paul is not afraid of death. When we read this, we can't read this with the slant of that he's afraid of dying. He is not afraid of dying. There's a sense of urgency that he writes this letter because he knows it's his last. So he's wanting to communicate to this young brother, this young pastor, and encourage him, you can do this. But he's wanting to drive home the point. I don't regret what I have done. I've been called as, as an apostle, as a preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ. As we live our lives, as we go through the course of our days, we have to understand the power of death has been defeated. One day, each of us in this room, we will die. And we do not have to fear death. Because death is not our enemy, if you will. It's a means. When we pass from this life to the next, we will be embraced. Those of us that have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, we will be embraced into His presence, a homecoming with our Father, bodies made whole, spirits rejoicing that we're with Him. When we talk about death being defeated, that's what it is. This is what Paul has waiting for him, but he still, he has a sense of urgency that he writes his letter with. We are to have the same sense of urgency of embracing the words that he's driving home. I said it before a couple weeks ago. If you had one letter to write, you knew it was your last letter. What are the, what, it was your last letter what are the things that you would drive home? What are the things that you would make sure get said, get reiterated? 
in this passage, we see that Paul drives home the plan of grace. The plan of grace. Verse 9 says this, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. This is where we're camping tonight on grace. His invitation to holiness. Not based on what we've done, but by his grace. Not based on what we've done. There's two camps of what we've done fall into, right? Two camps. What we've done. The dirty, the despicable, the shame-filled. Sin, right? By what we've done. What's the other side of that? The good, the noble, the upright, the works. By what we've done. My friends, it's not about either of those things. God's plan of grace is not based on what we've done for Him or what our capacity to do for Him is. It is not based on that. And just the same, it is not based on the sin, the shortcomings, the failure. It is based on grace. Our trust in Jesus Christ. When we talk about grace, we most often talk about two major themes in grace. Justification and sanctification. Being justified and being sanctified, right? We've all heard those terms, but what do those terms mean? Romans 3. I'm going to read a little bit here in in chapter 3 of Romans uh, from the New American Standard. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has has been manifested or it's been made known, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who do what? Who believe. For there is no distinction. There's no distinction in what? There's no distinction in in those who believe in the past and those of us that believe now. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. For all have blown it. You know what? In this world, you know, we're, we're judged on all those great things we do, but there has to be a certain amount of freedom that we find in knowing that we're all, every one of us in this room are a bunch of screw-ups. Everyone in this room have blown it. Everyone in this room sets goals that were high. Hopefully we set goals that were high. I mean, some of us, let's set them a little higher. Don't be afraid to kick it up a notch. Let's aim higher. But he, but you know what? In our own strength, in our own works, no matter how high we aim, we're going to fall short. And we have fallen short. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what's awesome? That word sin, when we talk about sin, it's an archer's term. It's an archer's term that means to miss the mark. The, the mark is the center, is bullseye. And to sin is to miss the mark. Anything outside of perfection is missing the mark. Anything 
If you're playing darts, there's the red in the middle, then there's the green outside of that, and then there's all the numbers, right? So the green's pretty good. When, I, when I'm aiming for red and I get green, I'm like, woohoo, do a little dance, you know, moonwalk or something, you know, hit green. I missed the mark. I don't care how close to the center it was, I missed the mark. My friends, anything short of perfection of Jesus Christ is missing the mark. But that's not the standard that we're held to when we receive the work of Jesus Christ who did not miss the mark. The work of Jesus Christ, which was perfection, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. The message of the redemption of Christ Jesus has to be on our lips, friends. The message of the plan of grace has to be on our lips. Often, frequently, passionately. Jesus Christ. Continuing in verse 25. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. That's a big word. It means a sacrifice. A sacrifice to appease all wrath. As a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Who are the ones that have faith in Jesus? Me and you, who is the justifier? Jesus. These aren't trick questions. Jesus, that one's... That one's easy. We're going to make this one all about Jesus for a change. I'm just kidding. We make every week about Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No. But by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So what is justification? What does justified mean? What does justified mean? Let's just make it real simple. Just if I'd never sinned. Justified means just if I'd never sinned. Just if I'd never sinned. That's what Jesus did for you and I. Friends, let's not let that go by quickly as an element in this message. Just as if you'd never sinned. That's how the Father looks at us now because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's justified. That's not just the sin prior to you giving your life to Christ. That's the sin you did today. That's the sin you'll do tomorrow propitiation. The wrath of God has been removed because of the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ. We use terms like propitiation and justified and sanctified and too often we don't know what they mean. Jesus. It's all about Jesus and His work. This is the grace of Jesus Christ upon our lives. That is the work that Jesus did for us.
So let's take a look, let's take a look at sanctification. Hebrews 10, verse 10. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Everyone say once and for all. Do we believe that? Do we believe that once and for all? His work is finished. The completed, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Once and for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. I love the the imagery of this. You got us, you know, a priest standing, making sacrifices all the time, trying to, to make right our sins, trying to balance the scales, right? You know, I screwed up, so now let me do something good. Let me let me find a good balance, right? Wrong. So you have these priests standing doing all this. And what do we see Jesus doing? He sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because it's finished. Because there's no work to do. His enemies defeat it. So he can sit down. When your enemy is defeated, you don't got to be up toiling about. He's defeated. I can sit down at the right hand of my father. When there's work to be done, we're still up and about trying to get this done. What does Jesus do? The work's done. I can sit. When we look at this and we hear about Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, the words that go through our heart and go through our mind have to be, He is sitting because it is finished. Not because He's tired. Not because He needs a break. Because it is finished. It is finished. The work of Jesus is finished. The work of grace is completed. Guys, why am I driving this home? A a church full of believers should know this, right? Yeah, but we don't. We still try and make it about us. We still try and make it about our own forms of righteousness to find favor with God. And that is not what it's about. We have found favor with God because of the work of Jesus Christ and our placing of our trust and our lives and our belief in the hands of Jesus. That's what makes us pleasing to God. That's what makes us holy. sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. How can the enemies be made a footstool for his feet unless he's he's sitting down, right? The Bible says that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His enemies are made to be a footstool but you and I are not because you and I come to him willingly yielded saying, Lord, I I bow my life to you. You and I are not made as a footstool. You and I come to him with belief and yielding and surrender and we place our trust in him and we receive the fullness of his work. 
My friends, just like we don't have to get saved every week. You know, I mean, how many of us grew up in that? You know, we grew up in churches where we got saved every week. You got, you rededicated your life every week because you sinned every week and you're like, oh man, I'm such a bad sinner. I better rededicate my life. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to hell. And if I die next week, I better, I'm just rededicating my life. You guys, hell is real. Heaven is real. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm downplaying. What I'm saying is we don't have to rededicate our life to the Lord every week based on our sin. What we need to do is accept his sanctification in our lives and walk it out. For one, for by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So what is sanctification? What does it mean to be sanctified? Sanctify, that word hagiazo is a verb and it means to render to be holy. To separate from profane things and dedicate to God. Consecrated to God. Dedicated to God. To purify. To purify by expiation. Free from the guilt of sin. Free from the guilt of sin. To put this in simple terms. Sanctified is a continuous process of cleansing in Christ Jesus. We are sanctified throughout our walk until we look and act like Jesus. Let me ask you know, your question. Now, do you act like Jesus right now? Do you act 100% like Jesus right now? Why don't we ask my wife, do I, your husband, act and look 100% like Jesus right now? She's, there's a little bit of, she's, a little trepidation. Did you see that? She shook her head like, you know. No, I don't. No, you don't. No, we don't. But we're sanctified, right? So why don't we look like Jesus? Why don't we act like Jesus? Because it is a continuous walking out. So we are justified just as if we'd never sinned. We are sanctified, purified, cleansed, dedicated, set apart, and walking it out. You know, uh, a lot of times, and once again, kind of going back to our you know, upbringing, depending on what church we went to, grace was a cuss word, man. Grace was a bad word. Because if you were a grace church, it meant that, that you, you were sloppy in your beliefs, right? You, 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 uh, what you were doing is you were condoning living a lifestyle, doing whatever you wanted because it all fell under the grace, right? How many people went to churches like that when they were younger? Plenty of us did. Ain't nothing sloppy about grace. There's nothing weak about grace. There's nothing inappropriate about grace. We walk it out. We walk it out. We've been made holy, made pure, set apart by the work of Jesus Christ. So as we're walking it out, and we take a little deviation, and we have the Holy Spirit that would go, ah, less, than, less than perfect. Less, less than, not, not saying we're less than perfect, but 
we're, we're walking according to less than perfect for what God has for us. We're walking less than perfect than the example that's been set before us by Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We course correct. We have the gift of repentance. Love this. The gift of grace, the gift of repentance. We change our mind go, Lord, you're right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we just keep walking it out. Tomorrow we walk it out. The day after, we walk it out. Our life is walking it out. That's sanctification. It is both. You don't got to choose one or the other because that's foolish. That'd be discarding the Bible. We are justified and sanctified through grace. Back to 2 Timothy. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. That word called is just as simple as we've been invited. We've been saved and invited. Hey, this is the life I have for you and it's holy. Won't you walk with me? If you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, no one forced you to do it. No one forced you to do it. Definitely not in this place. We don't believe in browbeating people in salvation. That is not salvation. That is religion. If you are walking with Christ, it's because you have said yes to His invitation. And you're walking it out. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan from before the beginning of time to show us His grace through Christ Jesus. How awesome is that? Young people, make sure I have your attention right now. God loves you. And when He looks at you, He's not this angry God there to, to cast judgment and accusation at you. In fact, the accuser has been silenced because of the work of Jesus Christ. When He looks at you, and He looks at me, he looks at us just as if we'd never sinned. That's what it means once we place our trust in Jesus Christ. When we have believed in our heart that He is real, that is what we believe. My friends, anything less than that, we're making it about us. Anything less than that, we're making it about our ability to do good or to do right. It's a false form of righteousness and it's not what we're called to. And it's not sloppy for crying out loud. Because we walk it out, our lives dedicated to Him, yielded to Him. He's the boss. He's the Lord. He's not just Savior. He is not just Savior. If He is just Savior, you are not saved. Did you hear me? If He is just Savior, you're not saved. He has to be Lord and Savior. He's got to be the boss. He's got to be the King that we yield to. We're Americans, so we don't... We don't you know, either like that or get that because we're a democracy, but golly, and we're, you know, he's the king. And when we yield our lives to him, we're saying, you get your way in my life. And when we sin, the times we, he doesn't get his way, we repent and go, growth, justification, as if I hadn't done it, sanctification, I'm walking it out. Grace. God's perfect plan for us has always been what? His perfect plan for us has always been what? Grace. 
What is this plan for you and I today? Grace. Justified. Sanctified. Verse 10. Now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. The power of death has been broken in our lives. The power of death has been broken in your life. The power of shame has been defeated in your life. The only way shame has its place in coming against us is if we let it. And we call that an attack of the enemy because it is not God's plan. Shame has no right being in the same room as grace. So what do we choose to agree with? Right about now is when we start thinking, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Right? Right about this time when we're talking about shame and shame hits home to us. That's when we say, but you don't know what I've done. If you knew, you'd be singing a different story. That's garbage. Sin is sin is sin is sin is sin. It doesn't matter. Our lives are to be yielded to the Lord. Walking it out. Walking it out. The power of death defeated and the way of the Lord made clear, illuminated. The path God has for us made clear and simple and illuminated. My friends, it's not hard to know the ways that Jesus has for us. It's just not. How often are we truly conflicted going, ah, I don't know, Lord, is this you or is this the enemy? I, I mean, Lord, do you want me to rob the bank or not? I just need it clear, right? I mean, how often does that really happen? No. It's pretty clear. And the Holy Spirit is there to make it clear. He's there to guide us into all truth of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's there. What we're facing is a battle of wills. Are we going to yield and surrender our will to Him? Are we going to yield and surrender our will to what we want to do to that flesh, to that old man? We walk it out. We walk it out. Does that mean we have to be perfect? No, that's ridiculous. That's Honestly, it's asinine. Think about it, guys. We're not supposed to... God knows we're going to blow it. But if we have his heart and we have been made holy, we have his heart, friends. If we've been made holy, we have his heart. So when we blow it, we know when we're blowing it. So we just got to course correct. That had like a little bit of yellow brick road to it, didn't it? You know? You know? We course correct. We say, Lord, I repent. I agree with you. And I walk it out. The power of sin has been broken in our lives. That's a powerful thing, friends. We've got to believe that. When we talk about believing in Jesus, we got to believe that. 
We got to believe that. That's the work of the cross. We have to believe that. And his plan for you is clear. The path to life is well lit, illuminated by the good news of Jesus. Whatever, whatever nouns you can fit into that, Paul, Paul says in verse 11, can you pull up verse 11 there? God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. And God has called me to be a mother, a father, a son of this good news. For God has called me to be a daughter, a brother, musician of this good news. For God has called me to be a fill in the nouns. For God has called each one of us to this good news. This good news. You guys, too often we've bought into the lie of the enemy thinking it's about us. It is not about us. It's about Jesus. Man, why in the world? How? Why else do you think we cry when we worship? Why else do you think we raise our hands when we worship and, and that we become so emotional and so expressive? Because we love Him. It's real. Because we believe Him, that He set us free, that He broke the, the shame in my life, the power of death in my life, the power of sin in my life. My friends, I want to encourage us with this. If we're not worship Him expressively, and if we're not being vulnerable before Him, we are missing out. Because it's beautiful, man. It is beautiful. Just like it's beautiful to con- convey that to our children. Parents, if we're not conveying to our children, oh, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I know you're not perfect, but man, I, I just, I love you. You're mine. You're, you're my boy. You're my girl. If we're not doing that, we're missing it. But in the same way, if we're not expressing our love for the Lord, we're missing it. We're missing it. He's awesome. So just stand on that for a second. That's what God says to you. He says, You're my boy. I love you. I'm so proud of you. But Lord, I did this. Ah, get over here, you. Let me pull you close to my heart. I love you. You're mine. I'm proud of you. Just as if I'd never sinned. Right? Just as if I'd never sinned. That's the way he sees us. When he pulls us close, we embrace him just as if I'd never sinned. You're mine. That is our Heavenly Father. My friends, if we're making our relationship with Jesus about religion, we're missing that. If we're making it about our ability to please Him by what we do, we are missing that. If we're making it about our constant shortcomings, we're missing out. If we're making it about anything other than Jesus and His grace and His plan of grace, we're missing out. Verse 12, that's why I'm suffering here in prison. The worship team could come on up. That's why I'm suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure, I am certain 
that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. For I know the one in whom I trust. What does that speak of, friends? For I know the one in whom I trust. What does that, what's the message it's sending? It's about relationship. For I know the one in whom I trust. For I know the one whom I trust. Friends, we're supposed to have a relationship with God. We're never told to study God. Did you know that? We're never told to study theology. We're never told to study all we can to know about God. We're told we're to know God. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. For I know the one in whom I trust. If you know him, if you know him, then you know that you can trust him. Right? If you know him, then you know you can trust him. Because you know he looks at you with love. Through the grace and the work of his son, Jesus Christ. If you don't know him yet, I'm here to tell you, you can trust him. If you don't know him, I'm here to tell you, you can trust him. And he's making himself known to you right now. He's making himself available to you right now through this message. Folks, I, I promise you the same about me. Don't look at this as a guy getting up here. You know, this is about Jesus. The message coming forth is the message of Jesus. What God is doing right now is making himself known to you through his word, through the work of Jesus Christ, through his grace. If you don't know him, you can know him. And I'm telling you right now, you can trust him. And you can know him. Not know him like, like a icon on the wall or religious token or religious symbol. To know him like, like you, you know your closest friend. The same way. His plan is grace. Because of the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ and the price of his life that he paid for you and I. But not just his life and death. This is what's awesome. It's not just his life and death, but it's his life and death and life. It's his life and death and life. It always comes back to life. Yes, he lived. He lived perfect and holy as completely man and as completely God. And he lived a perfect life. That was his life. He died paying the price for you and I for our sins. But the story doesn't end there. And religion keeps the story right there. But relationship does not because he is alive. Because he rose from the grave and he is alive today and he wants a relationship with you and I. Life and death and life. He wants a relationship with us. My friends, even if we've placed our trust in God, too often the relationship that he desires with us, we fall short of it because we still, even though we've placed our trust in him, we it seems too easy for us to make it about us and our sin. I'm not, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy. How, how often in worship do we feel like that? We come in here 
and we know all the junk that follows us. We know all the baggage we walked in with. So we walk in and we come in with, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. So when we worship, our hands are down here. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. My friends, if we're doing that, we're making it about us and not about the grace of Jesus Christ and the sanctification that we walk it out. We are holy. Why? Because he says we're holy because of the work of Jesus Christ. I'm dirty. No, you're not. You're purified. You're clean. You're sanctified. Why? Because of the work of Jesus Christ. We walk it out. But, but I've sinned. Huh. That's funny because the Lord goes, that's not what I see. Justified just as if you've never sinned because of the work of his son, Jesus. And there's nothing weak about that, friends. There's nothing weak about that. It's the most powerful work that's ever been done. The work of grace, the work of Jesus Christ. If we place our trust in Jesus, we better grab a hold of that and let that live our lives according to that plan. Anything else has fallen short. He's alive. He defeated death. any of us here are walking around in the shame of sin. Jesus is here to echo. Sin has been defeated. Death has been defeated. Shame has been defeated. We do not have to walk according to that. We don't got to pay penance. We don't got to run laps. There's not a gauntlet that we've got to run to get back in His good standing. We just have to receive His gift of grace. We just have to receive the gift of the work of Jesus Christ by placing our belief and trust in Him. So friends, instead of rededicating our lives every week like we may have grown up with, let's make it a daily, hourly proclamation that I know who I serve. I know who you are and I know who I am because I know what you say about me. So I believe, I believe, I believe. That's really what we were doing with that rededication anyway, right? But just coming back up and going, I believe. I know my, my life didn't reflect that. My actions didn't reflect that. But I do believe. Friends, he knows we believe. Let's walk it out. And let's walk in boldness and power. So what, what's our response now? Our response, our response right now is important. It is. God's been asking for our response all throughout the service. All throughout worship, he's been asking for our response. When we walked in, he's asking for our response. Our response matters. Our response matters. He loves us. If shame, the shame of the past, the shame of things you've done, if you're living in prisons by that, if you're living in bondage to that, God wants you free. He wants you free. He wants your life free. He wants you free. So in a moment... 
I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask that to be your response. Come forward and we're going to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never trusted in Him, you've never declared your trust and your belief that He is who I've been up here talking about, saying He is. He is the one that paid the price for your sin and my sin. He is the one who has declared us right and in right standing with God, holy, clean, purified, because of the work of Jesus, because of His plan of grace. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've never placed your belief, your trust in Him, then I want you to come forward. If you're ready to do that, then honestly, you should be sprinting up here. If we've allowed a message of anything other than that message of grace to be the message that exemplifies our belief, then my friends, our response is is repentance. Our response is repentance. Lord, it's not about my ability to attain rightness or anyone else's. It's about the work of Jesus Christ. What other responses are appropriate? Just a response of yielding, a response of surrender, a response of worship, a response of proclamation. All these responses. What has the Lord been doing since worship started? What came forth on the mic? You know, what has the Lord been stirring within us? He wants the walls to come down. He wants us to walk in victory. He wants shame and and death to be agreed upon that is defeated. We just got to agree. That's our response, is agreement with Him. The church, let's, let's close our eyes for one second. And hear me as I'm saying this. I'm not going to call anyone up tonight. I'm not going to be like, hey, get up here. Even if you raise your hand to this, I'm not going to say, hey, get up here. So everyone just close your eyes for a second. If you've allowed shame to beat the heck out of you, you've allowed shame to hold you down and to, to come against you and to make you feel unworthy and unloved and unacceptable and unlovable, you lived in the fear of shame and you want that defeated off your life, I just want you to raise your hand. Like I said, I'm not going to make you come up and I'm not going to point you out. Just raise your hand. This is between you and God. Thank you. Thank you. There's hands up all over. You're not alone. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over shame and I render you defeated by the work of Jesus Christ. I declare shame, you have no place. You are a lie. And we break that lie and we break the power of that lie in Jesus' name. Shame, you have been defeated by the work of Jesus Christ. And you are defeated now. Be free right now from the bondage of shame. Be loosed from the lie of shame right now in the name of Jesus. By the plan of grace of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never proclaimed your faith. You've never declared your belief and your trust. I'm here to tell you the only sin that can send us to hell is the sin of unbelief. The only sin that can keep us from experiencing the freedom of Jesus Christ is the sin of unbelief. If you're here 
and you believe, but you've just never made that proclamation. You've never placed your trust in Him, but you say, I do trust. I do trust you. I do believe you. If you're ready to do that, just slip up your hand right now. Is there anyone that this day wants to make that proclamation, that declaration that I believe in Him and His power and His life and His freedom and His forgiveness and His grace and that His plan is that I be justified and sanctified and made holy in Him. If that's you, you, you want to place your trust in Him today, just raise your hand. Is there anybody? Anyone else want to say, I believe. I believe him. 